Let me just try some piano claps. What are what the? Oh no! Where no? did this come from? I think we can do it. We have a whole Jake, podcast. How many instruments do you just have lying around? Uh, a lot actually. Oh really? Almost lots as many lots. instruments as he has waifu statues. Oh no, not even close. <laughs> Actually, right. you you could legitimately. There is an argument to be made that I have near equal numbers. I'm gonna do some counting while you intro. Welcome everybody to a holiday special episode of the podcast. Where we will be talking about some fun games to play around the holidays. Games that we've played around the holidays. The stories that have ensued from them. Yeah. So this will be a little bit less serious and analytical and a little more fun and lighthearted. Just say happy holidays to everybody. Happy um, holidays. Wait. So it depends. Is Ben Franklin a waifu? He can be. I'm going to say Mando also could potentially tip the scale. Is Mando a waifu? Or IG Lando? Uh, yeah, but that doesn't count. I, I feel like Hezbondos and Waifus roughly the same. I don't know if I feel that way about Mando. Hmm. Are you talking about the Mandalorian Mando? Yeah, I have a, yeah. a bobblehead. I mean... How about IG-11? Definitely. Anyone trying to, trying to bang IG-11? I mean, I think people are trying to bang both of those things. All right, the question is, are you tied. trying to bang either one of those things? No comment. We're tied at seven. <laughs> Perfect. On this issue, oh. in this episode of Jake's Therapy, <laughs> we have to have a little bit of a talk about the number of anime waifus surrounding you right now, Jake. It's very uh, low. We're worried about you. Yeah. Uh, I we mean, talk of big game, but then you only come back with a number like eight. <sighs> I mean, I'm not making excuses. But if I had all of my stuff here in my apartment, like all of my stuff, those numbers would be much higher. When you say all of your stuff like that repeatedly, it makes it sound like if I got the person out of the basement of my parents' house and brought them <laughs> to my apartment. I'm just saying, real world waifus, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do to get yourself this a real This is straying towards the uh, cat girl conversation that we have like a number of episodes back. Wait. What was it? I don't know if I want to. Nope. I don't know if I want to. I'm hit still that hung up on some of that. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like that moment in Sao where there's like the the cat girls in like Elfheim Online, and like he pulls her tail, and there's this incredible reaction, and then the other cat girl in the room grabs her tail and has that look on her face, like, "What is this connected to? Like, <laughs> what part of me is this free floating tail connected to?" <laughs> For those listening, something we'll never know. Medically, probably the tailbone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you're asking, uh, what did the Japanese video game designers mentally <laughs> connect <laughs> the tailbone to, to get such a reaction? <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to rename this podcast. Like, it, it anime wasn't and the games on the <laughs> anime and games around the holidays. Uh, I think but I think grab the tail of the anime cat girl could be a holiday game played by some families. Pin the tail on the cat girl, a new modern rendition of pin the tail on the donkey that has a very pleasant sounding feedback <laughs> when you pin the tail. 
Do you know how fast that would sell out? Oh my so god! Forget every game design idea you've ever had. That's it, right there. That would, we that's don't, the gold one, right there. Yes, that's <laughs> it. I could, I could live off that. <laughs> you could more than live off of that. <laughs> yeah, thrive off that. Guys, we gotta like hire an artist and retire tomorrow. Pin the tail on a cat waifu Christmas edition. <laughs> we'll put a Santa hat on it. Perfect. Oh. Uh. For clarification, before we go farther into this podcast, uh, <laughs> I celebrate Christmas, uh, as does Mazio. Jake, do you as well, or do you celebrate a different one? I celebrate all holidays. Cool. Okay. No, I don't. I celebrate Christmas. I'm a Thank you. So- <laughs> wow. Way to go from inclusive to problematic. <laughs> That's my middle name. Inclusive to problematic. So you know that when we talk about these games, we'll be talking about our time at Christmas, um, but obviously everyone have a happy holidays, you know, and Merry Christmas from us to you. But let's talk about some Christmas games. Does anyone have a good story to start off the holiday season with? I have a holiday game where I keep count of the number of times that I have to steer the dinner table conversation away from the horrible areas of political <laughs> nonsense that it tends to. Oh, it's going to be worse this year. I was going to say, is that even plausible this year? Woo! No. No. But you can add the extreme hard version of the game. You know, like when you flip the boards over in like Quacks of Quailenberg? You add shots for every single time that you have to do that. So you're really playing with fire at that point. There's generally at least one hospitalization. It's always me. <laughs> My family actually has a solve for that game this year. We've used COVID as a reason to not gather so that we can't talk about politics. <laughs> well, there is a portion of my family that uh, we can't go see because of politics, but we're totally saying COVID and allergies because now both my sister and I are dairy free. And it's real hard to have a dairy free holiday. Borderline impossible. Borderline impossible. I mean, I replaced uh, water with eggnog in my diet starting on uh, November 20th. Yeah, it's very sad. Back on topic, maybe, hopefully. I mean, so far, we're still playing games at the holidays. Yes, games around the holidays. We talked about trying to steer the dinner table conversation out of the red zones. <laughs> that would probably result in, in Even the term uh, the red zones murdering. is problematic this year. Uh, hey, purple zone. We can't define colors. Come on. We don't want to, we don't want to pick a side here. Oh God! Yeah, for everyone at home, this is what we—that reaction is what we assume the holiday games are going to be like. Holidays so I'll lead us off with something that isn't part of a hellscape. When we were younger, and holidays were at my aunt's house, my cousins kept a risk board below beneath a love seat, so we would finish whatever you know Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever dinner, and then immediately like dig into a game of risk. Which started off really intense when we were like younger and I was like 13 or whatever. And like as we got into our 20s and now into our 30s, we're literally just doing it and drinking wine. And people are like, you guys don't really seem into the game. We're like, this is what nostalgia is for a millennial. Like it is us slowly drinking, staring at childhood and considering what death will feel like. Full disclosure, I've never played Risk in my life. <gasps> yeah. We have to change that. Risk is actually... um. A really interesting board game that we're not going to dive too far into, but with, you know, Monopoly has all the flavors and then Risk has all the flavors, but Risk is actually, every flavor is actually different. 
Um, so I have like firm recommendations on awesome versions of Risk. Huh. Um, and traditional versions of Risk as well, I suppose, but. The holiday game that my family plays depends on whether or not it's with extended family or with my close-knit family. Because with my close-knit family, I always try to get them to try and play video games with me, but not like modern video games. Like, I'm going to bring out my GameCube that still works and plug it in and give you a game where you only need to know the joystick and the A button. (laughs) I actually found a picture like a while back of my sister and her then boyfriend or fiance. I don't know if they were engaged at the time. Sitting at like my mom's really old apartment playing Mario Kart. And the only reason I knew it was Mario Kart is because they had the Wii controllers in the wheel. And it was just a picture of them (laughs) staring at the screen with like giant smiles on their face. Like I don't even know what was happening on screen. Uh but yeah, if it's close-knit, it's me trying to get them to play certain Nintendo games that are built for party time. And if it's an extended family, then my dad's family actually has big uh, Euchre tournaments, which if you don't know what Euchre is, it's spelled E-U-C-H-R-E, which took me a while to Google because it's a uh, different language. <laughs> uh, it's from the UP. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I really like Euchre. Uh, it's a partner-based card game for those listening. So you have you and the partner across from you. And you set bids and you try and, try and take tricks to win your bid. Um, and you play up to 10. It's the four and a six that keep score. It's like the real dumbed-down version of it. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's like one of those games where even my... Oh, God, I don't know how old my grandma, my Grammy is. I think she's getting close to 90. Nope, 86? No, that was the last time. I don't know. Eight numbers are a mystery to me in all regards. Uh, but even she gets, like, really into it. She asks what's Trump, like, five times, which is what, like, is the most powerful suit in the game right now whenever you're playing. But even she gets, like, <laughs> she talks smack, which is just really funny to listen to, like, a little old lady smack talking at a table around the holidays. Uh, but those are the games that at least I play with my family. So I definitely have less family game stuff. Full disclosure, we don't play too many games outside of like the classic like Risk, uh, not Risk, um, Clue, Monopoly, um, Apples to Apples, stuff like that. But it's not usually centered around the holidays. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess... Sometimes, like, uh, it's difficult to to see the contrast between, like, the board gaming that goes on, like, at, like, a store, like, our local store in Philly, and then, like, what you can bring out of there. I know we talked about this a little bit leading up to it, but just sort of, like, the knowledge that you glean as you pick up. And trying to translate that back to like family members sometimes doesn't doesn't really work. <laughs> it doesn't always work. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like like little little things about video gaming or board gaming, just like how to how to handle the cards or like the likelihood that this is laid out this way that allows you to just open up a box, throw it on the table, and start playing pretty quickly. Um, doesn't always translate to my family of non gamers. So outside of like just playing Clue and stuff. We're uh we're definitely a little light on the the family game night stuff. I know uh Mysterium got complicated. So, oh, for for reference, 
that's not yeah not a very complicated game literally match the pictures well the apples to apples with yeah apples to apples with uh with a little bit of flavor was a tad too much oh man my family used to love monopoly i might bust that out for the holidays this year used to christmas what happened We, we just didn't play it for a long time but my parents are really good sports about things, so my immediate family has played like the Firefly board game, which is a pretty extensive game. My dad can get into those kinds of things. My mom has that analytic side to her. So it's not entirely unheard of for us to take out like a relatively complex uh board game and have a good time with it. I'm probably actually gonna bring my the second board game I designed to Christmas at my parents' house this year and put it on the table for them to play. Because they would not have liked the first game at all. I don't think it's too much. But the second game, I'm like, yeah, I think they'd really enjoy this. I actually grew up with my dad being the person who taught me a lot of my board games. Like the board games that I played with when I was little. So, like, he has... I actually own now two games from him that are, like, from the early 80s. One of them being Dark Tower, which they did the Kickstarter for the remake and everything. Which I am so sad I didn't get my hands on because I honestly, I set a reminder to back it. And then I guess the reminder went to the wrong email address that I don't have anymore. So I didn't get the reminder to back it before the project ended. That's right. And I didn't back it because I figured I'd only play it with you. Yeah. I'm, well, I... I mean, those games tend to, uh, that company is pretty good. Restoration Games is pretty good about having extras. So we can probably pick it up at a con in 2021. Yeah, that's what I'm going to hope for. Um well, if I see a copy of it, I will grab it, like, without contest, and then I'll talk to you about it later. Yeah, because the I wouldn't be so adamant about picking it up if it wasn't for that my original tower, which is from my dad, doesn't work anymore. And I would need somebody with a, not robotics, but like a mechanical eye look at the motor that's in it. Yeah, you would need to have out, all of that replaced. Yeah, and figure out, like, what the hell went wrong. Which is a shame. Uh, for those of you guys listening who don't know what Dark Tower is, I think it is a... The old version that I have is like a four-player game where you play as different nations and you build up troops, supplies, etc. And then you try and storm the tower that's in the middle of the, bo- of the board game. But the tower is electronic. So it keeps track of like waves of monsters you face, whether or not the dragon's attacking. I think uh, both games I have from him are during the era of like when... Board gaming companies were like, we can add technology to the games. <laughs> oh, the pre-order for it is up, Amanda. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. So then I'll oh. I'll do that. I'll look at that later. Um, because I we played it at last PAX Unplugged last year. Uh, yeah, that'll be 2019. Yeah, and I really enjoyed the changes they made. Um, it modernized it well, I think. Uh, but that was Dark Tower, uh, which I played with him a few times, but the issues is when you only have two people instead of four people, the dragon just had constantly attacked one of you, and it was a miserable time. Uh, and the other game that I have from him is Stop Thief, uh, which I love. Still works and plays fine, uh, and I am very particular about, uh, keeping that game intact. It's, uh... A game where you play as a detective trying to find an invisible thief, and your 
Crime Stopper or your Crime Radio? Crime Scanner. That's what it is. When your Crime Scanner gives you sounds or noises to mimic like where the thief's going. So like there's a sound for broken glass, door opening, walking on a hardwood floor, running down the street, subway. And you're supposed to take all these sound cues and pinpoint where the thief is on the map. So, like, you know that if he went, like, floor, window, floor, or floor, door, floor, then you know that he's, like, one of these five places on the map because it's the only way he could have done that combination, right? And then once you figure out where he is, you input the numbers on your little crime scanner and you get a nice little, like, sound cue of the police uh, with, like, sirens going after them and you are either successful and you've captured it, uh, you got the wrong place and there's, like, a mean buzzer noise of, eh, if you got it wrong. Uh, or the thief escapes and then it plays like an eight, six or eight sound cue series of him running from the police that you have to keep up with and then find his new location, etc. But it's a lot of fun. And that's a game where like you can play all the noises for people in advance. Um, and it's like simple enough that you just have to be able to hear okay. Um, we played so- it once and it was really fun. Oh, yeah, because I brought it. I think they made a restoration version of that too. I think they did, uh, but since mine still works, I'm not too concerned about it. Um, yeah, they totally ver- made a. Oh, it's like yeah. thirty five bucks. Yeah. On Amazon for the Stop Thief Second Edition. What is? Did they add new things to the Second Edition? Or is it no? Just, it, I mean, they probably just changed. Remaster. It's probably a re- well. They probably had to reshoot the sound and everything. That's probably why they called it the Second Edition. Like, oh uh, yeah. I'm sure they didn't have those vintage seventies like. They sound Probably so good. Probably still on tape somewhere. Oh, <laughs> uh, but those are the two games outside of like your standard uh, Monopoly, Clue, Connect Four, Guess Who. God, but outside of like the standard games, like those are the two games that he introduced me to that other people really didn't know about, so it was a struggle to get people involved. But um, yeah. So, so I've never played one with my dad, but in the same vein. My dad had a lot of vintage World War II Avalon Hill games when I grew up, mm-hmm. and I blame that for, like, who I've become as a person. <laughs> for all your toy soldiers on the dining room table? Basically, I'm playing, like, those, I think some of those games, A, are still in print, but, like, B, the idea of playing immensely complex games. Like, my introduction to a 4E game was North Africa World War II, with, like, the Desert Rats and Supply Lines and Nazis and... Just incredible amounts of everything going on. Do you want to explain for maybe some of our listeners who don't know what 4E is? What 4E is? Uh, a 4E game is expand, exploit, exterminate, and... No, it's explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. There you go. Um, it's a very large... I said it out of order and completely stumped myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's games akin to civilization. They were They were a lot more popular when I was younger. They're still around. Like Rise of Nations is a 4E game. Um, Twilight Imperium is a 4E board game. They still, they're still around, but they're like really big, really complex games like Stellaris and things like that. Yeah. It's very, very weird that I grew up in an era where those were very popular to make and they were very renowned and they were available. And my introduction to it was still an analog board game by total happenstance. Like those are games that I keep like essentially in a humidor in my house. Like, yeah, like I have them. No, no one may touch them. Those are vintage particular games full of cardboard chits. Those are sacred. It's an interesting idea. Sometimes I look back and I think, like, if my parents didn't get me the GameCube for, I don't know if it was for Christmas or my birthday one year, 
would I still be where I am today? Like, would games have influenced me as much as they did? So that's like along the same vein of like your dad having those board games and then like you being who you are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's something that I like I think about quite often is that like my my introduction to games, I I can't remember if it started with our Macintosh computer. Yes, Macintosh. Not Mac, <laughs> Not Macintosh, Mac. different thing. Macintosh. <laughs> Or if it started with my GameCube, um, because I have fond memories of playing Battle Chess on like a really old Macintosh we had, which if you don't know what Battle Chess is- You're missing out. You're missing out because I struggled to pay attention with normal chess when I was little, but chess with animated pieces that beat the shit out of each other, woo. Yeah. (laughs) So much fun. Also, didn't make you better at chess, but it did make no. chess a lot more palatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I played battle chess with him. We also played like a really old golf game on that Macintosh where he won every single freaking time because my brain couldn't comprehend wind speed and how long I hold the yeah. button. Oh, it's like, it's golf, but it's golf, the equation method of golf. Yeah. Where you have to look at the numbers and then assess what number to input rather than, like, a skill shot. Yeah, and I'm sitting there and my child, like, brain is like, we hold the button until we don't hold the button anymore. Is that that different from now? (laughs) Yeah, you know, now I feel like I look back and I'm like, okay, I understand the numbers on this scale and how far the ball needs to go. So I probably won't hold the button for nearly as long as I did. But, like, when I was little, I used to just, like, whale the ball, <laughs> like, wherever on the golf course. And I would always be upset that it would end up in, like, the rough or a sand trap. Mm-hmm. Oh. But I played that with him. We also played Sim Town, not Sim City, Sim Town, which was black and white, and you were a mayor of a town that had so many fucking problems. That sounds amazing. I remember that era of Sim games, and a lot of those were way better than... Yeah. City ever was. Yeah. But like, looking back on it, like if I didn't play those games with my dad, if I didn't get the GameCube and then proceed to play like Super Smash Brothers Melee and Mario Kart, Mario Kart was one of his favorites, specifically Double Dash, Mario Kart Double Dash with him. Like, would I, would games have such a influence on me now? Right? Yeah. I, I, I have that same question only with the word pneumonia put in. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, I, uh, why? I my lungs aren't great. I grew up a few miles from a cement plant, so I I had pneumonia like every year for like from like I think it was like fifth or sixth grade through like college. It resulted in me being home and basically unable to do much of anything. And that was the first time I ever really dug into a video game. Like I had a Nintendo, an original Nintendo. I got the challenge set, which had Mario three in it, and I got it and I played it and I enjoyed it. But that was when I, like, actually had the opportunity to immerse myself because my parents felt so bad for me that they took off the time restrictions on what I could play for video games. (laughs) And it's one of those things, like, I look back on it and, and, like, when my parents are like, yeah, I guess you always did love games. That like, looking back on it, I'm amazed that none of us figured this out before I was, like, 35. (laughs) Like, huh. The thing we did constantly all the time, like, because we always played at my parents' dining room table, and I've always been a role player. I played D&D literally from the moment I got role-playing books. I was allowed to play role-playing games. I started off with West End Games 2nd Edition Star Wars, 
and, and like it's a it's a long intriguing path that leads you where you go right yeah i actually have been thinking about this for a while in preparation for this podcast and debating um in addition to my own game if i want to bring home like something new that i've been playing with like something from my collection to like show my parents and i'm like i kind of really want to because i feel like not that my parents really liked leaving the house before they've always been kind of homebodies but I'm like, now with COVID, I'm like, dude, we go home for Christmas. Like, that's where we are. I need to, like, find a, I need to find a couple of board games that people will play. Yeah. It's like gearing up for a long flight. Well, I feel like my family would love Mysterium because we loved Clue. And Mysterium is like Clue 2.0 in certain respects, right? Definitely, for sure. I mean, it's, it's Clue with even more of a social dynamic, which makes yeah. it such a good family game if, People understand what's going on. <laughs> Jake, you, I feel like you are definitely an oddball because, yeah. again, we've already talked about this where you didn't originally go into games and then found your passion about games later in life, well, right? Yeah, I, I think similar to, to Mazio's story, it was one of those things that was always obvious, but I couldn't articulate it. Um, like, I used to... I, I love my friends. They're great. They're also the most annoying people you ever meet in your entire life. <laughs> like they would be showing up at my door in the summer like knocking on my door like hey let's go out let's go walk there's a cvs near our house is the only thing we could walk to it's like let's walk to the cvs let's you know walk to the we could have walked like the ice cream place was far as heck but like they wanted to go out and do things i would literally lock the door to my office and hide around the corner so they couldn't see and i would go back to playing (laughs) gary's mod after they left I would just pretend like I wasn't there. <laughs> like, wow. It was, I was committed. I was, and I, I wasn't even really doing anything. I was just, I was playing Gary's Mod mostly by myself, like in single player sandbox mode, just building and putting stuff together, posing the characters and doing crazy stuff. But it, those were key moments, kind of like I think you were saying with getting a GameCube. I had a similar experience. GameCube was the first console I had as well. Um, specifically playing like uh some of the early battlefront games and uh like getting introduced to that or really for me a lot of it happened on pc like battlefield 1942 specifically i'd play endless endless hours of battlefield 1942 of course all bots i didn't i never liked playing with other people i would only play by myself i'd play like if they had any sort of AI, and it bothers me to this day that the new Battlefronts didn't include the old Conquest mode that they used to do, where you could set up sort of like this, uh, I guess it was kind of Risk style, but uh, a galaxy map that you would fly around and you could do a battle versus AI in these big modes. But that time alone, uh, I think, or that time immersed uh, was essential. And I, I think a lot of us, um, and it was specifically like in my, in my program at Drexel kind of can have, have those parallels of like, there was a period of time where we sat in front of a screen and played video games way more than anybody else should <laughs> yeah. to the detriment yeah. of our health, to the detriment Woo, yeah. of our social lives or our family connections, because there's something about it that was so captivating. Can I um, can I say the only reason you feel that way is because you did not play Magic the Gathering as a kid? No, mm-hmm. I had no idea. Well, also, like I said, I I hated playing with other people. 
I, just, I want I, you to like Magic the Gathering. It, like as a kid, was just like brutal all the way across the board. Um, I don't even know where to begin to explain like how formative it was where it's like you would just spend like your your friend would make something and then you'd have to solve the puzzle of their new deck <laughs> yeah right but no it's the same thing right like i i think if you're listening to this podcast and you didn't have a similar experience to this i'd i'd be really curious as to wh- why you're listening to this podcast, this podcast unless you know one of us um why or i think that- like they're trying to understand like why I think what I realize a lot of people outside of the gaming community are so confused that like I for example I used to play an old MMO and when that MMO quote unquote died uh like people stopped playing it they started closing servers I was devastated like I logged on to a part of that game where it used to be the selling district which used to be so packed with people your screen would move and like a negative one frame rate <laughs> and you logged in and it was empty and that hurt like i sat there in my chair and i nearly cried and i feel like people who are outside of the gaming community just look at you like what do you mean what do you mean this these bits of digits had like such a huge impact on you so you know people could be listening to try and figure out like why why are games so special to these people you know yeah, and I think yeah. it often gets misread too. Yeah. Um in a, in a really unhealthy way where a lot of a lot of parents get concerned that their their children are addicted to video games. Um Which does happen. Just want to say It does definitely yeah. happen. Um and there's I I think there's a there's a big distinction between a unhealthy obsession that starts ruling other areas of your life. Yeah. And and like a genuine interest. Yeah. And I don't, but I don't know that it's something that you can determine so early on. Cause I mean, I, I distinctly remember there was a moment I was in Disney World. Like this is, this is what you, this is the place you want to be as a kid. Like you're in Disney World. And Grant, I still want to be in Disney World, but you're everything you could possibly do is there. I was trying to download Star Trek online. <laughs> on the computer <laughs> in the conference room of the contemporary because I needed to do my dailies. <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it. But no one could understand like why I really didn't want to miss the holiday. It was like sometime around Christmas. Um but they had this holiday thing where you had to skate on a track once a day for like a month. <laughs> And, uh, sounds like your typical uh, holiday event in a game. Yeah, you had to, like, basically slide around and, like, throw some stupid stuff at people. Probably something trivial related. But, um, no one could get it. And, like, you know, granted, wasting time on a vacation, not good. But it was an investment. It was an investment of time. And it was an investment in a world that in a, carried a weight large enough that it was worth me at least making the effort to go do that. And it comes off as unhealthy, but I think if you can find a way to take that passion for this medium and turn it into something that is renewable, like a career, or at least find where the line is so that it doesn't sort of ruin your life, then it's fine. It's really fine. 
I also think uh, another topic along the same vein would be people, or at least parents, or people outside the gaming community don't understand that you can have online friends that you're close with. So, like, obviously, people listening, be safe online. Don't start selling credit card information or, you know, personal identity stuff. But I, when I was part of a guild online, I talked to those people almost daily. And I didn't just talk to them about the game. Like, we talked about other stuff that you really like to do. What books are you reading? Like, what other games are you playing? What did you do today? How's the dog? How's your mom? I heard she was sick or whatever. Like, it was... I I think that... Can I jump in on this? Yeah, but hold on. Let me say... And I think... It's important around the holidays because I realize that some people don't really have family anymore. And to some people, the communities that they have online or even in the tabletop community are their family or are part of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've had like we don't have like a it's not like a formal thing, but like there's definitely like holiday nights at the shop. Yeah. And I think it's important to talk about. I think it's important that like whoever you spend the holidays with, uh, be it online with your gamers or what have you, like the relationships you form via games for me at least seem to be so much more impactful than some other relationships i formed in my life without a doubt yeah i mean i i think there's this kind of implicit thing that is really complicated and difficult for people to understand when you play online so like you know i met you irl amanda right yeah but we never really hung out face to face except a handful of times yeah, most of our relationship right. was built uh Overwatch nights on Discord. Yeah, I mean I mean it, it's kind of a weird thing, but like I, I miss you actively when I don't talk to you at least three or four times in a week. Right. Right? Like it, it it's a very complicated thing, but it's because we have the same nostalgia, right? Like part of being family is having the same nostalgia. Shared memories and, and experiences. Yeah, yeah. That that bring you together. And like for better or for worse, like Overwatch is a huge part of both our lives. For better or worse. And, <laughs> yeah, for better or for worse. And we were a huge part of Overwatch together. Yeah. And it, it's the same thing with Legion and Jake, where it's like, like, I think Legion still has like three or four good years in it, and then it's going to need a 2.0 just for the record. But and that clock starts after COVID st- uh, is over. But it, it is definably one of those things where it's like, well, listen... In that era, in that time, this person was a major factor in my life. And now, you know, regardless of what happens and you go on to the next adventure together or not, it, ooh, excuse me, almost doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Because those shared experiences are going to hold you forever, right? Like my sixth edition 40K tournament days, which were all local scene days. Yeah, like, yeah, like I remember those guys fondly. I don't really see any of them anymore, but I remember those guys really fondly. I look at those game pieces really fondly in the same, like, I look at those game pieces with more wistful nostalgia than I look at my high school yearbook. Yeah. And I saw those people all the time. Yeah. And I, I think that if you've never been a part of that kind of a community or a virtual community or, like, whatever term we're using, like, fr- family, family yeah, sure. type situation, it's very hard to understand that it's, like, those are people that you want to you wanna see on Christmas, like Christmas night for me when I was in my 20s before things were complicated in everyone's lives and there were children and things like that, we used to go to the same, we used to go to a really nice bar and just have a beer at the end of Christmas. Yeah. On Christmas Day. 
that that was it and it was like and then people would come over to my parents house like different friends would come over from there those were really sweet moments yeah i think it's definitely hard for members of my family who don't really play games to understand like what do you mean that you talk almost every day with people online and i'm like oh, they're my friends and they're like well you haven't really seen them in person and god knows how long and i'm like i still know what's happening in my life i still talk to them i do stuff with them yeah it's virtual but like they're still a huge part of my life. You can't really discredit them by just saying I'm only communicating with them virtually. It's the same thing as if I were to call somebody on a phone, right? Yeah, it, it is kind of a weird double standard generationally where yeah. you're like, this person and I are phone friends and that is a true connection. You speak to this person via <laughs> Discord and that is therefore invalid. Like You only speak to huh? this person in chat in a video game so you don't have a real friendship. I'm like, all right. You only text your mother, like, <laughs> once a year. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had this exact same experience, like, just uh, just, a, just a day to, a day ago, pretty much. Like, I was uh, I was at home talking to some family. And they're like, oh, you gotta... I, for context, I live in the basement level of an apartment building. They're like, you gotta get out of that basement and start, you know, going out, meeting people. I'm like, well, one, pandemic, can't do that. <laughs> but two... Like, I talk to, on average, like, eight people a day. Yeah. Like, that's that's a good amount. Like, granted, we can't do it in person because it's just not possible. But sometimes, even when we can, like, there's still online communities. Mm -hmm. Like, before COVID, we all still hung out in Discord and did stuff. Less, because <laughs> it was less essential. But it was still a tangible place that we would go to talk. And just like any booth at a bar or game store table, it's a gathering area. It's like, it's a place we can all come to hang out, to commiserate. And those places matter. They matter as much as the physical, in my mind. Agreed. Yeah. And honestly, part of the reason why I'm real, like, I didn't realize that PAX Unplugged would have been next week. And so, like, Maceo, you mentioned it uh, earlier today. But I'm so yeah. sad. <laughs> like, I, I've, Pax Unplugged has only been going on for what, three, two years now? Yeah, it's not very long. And I've been to everyone so far and plan to continue to be at everyone. Oh, yeah. As long as they have them, I will do what has to be done to go there. Yeah. Yep. But I always get really emotional. The past three times, I think three, I've been to Unplugged. When I walk through the like free play section, and you can watch complete strangers sit together at a table and suddenly be laughing and having a great time together. And like, if you didn't just watch this person remove the looking for group sign from the table, you would not know that they were complete strangers prior to this, right? Yeah, they've just never even been close to, they've never seen. They've never met each yeah. other before. And here they are laughing, having a wonderful time around a table. And that makes me so emotional. And it reminds me so, like, it reminds me every time I see it just how powerful games are, that they can connect complete strangers together and have a great time and form a pretty strong bond that some areas, other areas of my life really can't replicate at all. Yeah. And it's sad that I won't have that around the holidays because Unplugged won't happen. Well, I think that that's why I'm pushing you so hard to come visit me. Yeah. It's because we won't have Unplugged. 
Wow, this podcast got really heavy. Well, really. yeah, but I think I think it's good. Like it was nice that we talked about we talked about all of our memories with like past games bringing people together and coming together for the holidays is important, right? Regardless if they oh, yes. are your blood relatives or if maybe you don't have any blood relatives and they're your friends from across the world. No, I mean super true. It's just like wow, like I like I was like, yeah, I was ready to tell like Uno stories. I'm like, no, like <laughs> in the age of COVID, it's so weird. Yeah. But I honestly think uh this is a good point to wrap up this holiday this special <laughs> before I cry. Enough depression before one of us cries. <laughs> My money's still on Jake. Oh. I've been muted this whole time falling. <laughs> oh no, Jake. Uh no, I mean Games are powerful. I don't know why Penny Arcade would be listening, but if you are, please save Pax Unplugged. Please save Pax Unplugged. It, it has only been in my life for three years, and it means so much to me to see people sit down and play together and have a great time. And I truly miss that atmosphere of the free play table. I mean, and just yeah. walking through booths, because you get to watch people sit down and play together at booths, too. But like the free play section, great time. But from all of us here on the podcast to all of you listening to this, sorry that it it's now a little bit sad, but we... We started off with such a happy we tone. We started off with a heavy tone, up. but no matter who you choose to spend the holidays with, we hope that you guys have a safe and wonderful time, and if games are a part of that, then you know what? Play on. Hope your dice rolls are they should Yeah, be. and if they aren't, give it a try. If you're listening to this and you're trying to figure out like why your kid or why someone in your family is really into games, I hope that some of our stories have explained some of it. Because they are they're powerful things to bring people together. And that's what the holidays are about, right? That and trying desperately to not let two people in your family talk about politics. Yep. <laughs> so desperately. Politics not permitted at the holiday table. <laughs> But doing that 20 shots deep. Happy holidays. Well, Merry Christmas from all of us here. Play on. Good luck with your dice and enjoy. Merry Quackmas. Merry Quackmas. Oh, that is so good. Merry Mass. I've been sitting on that for like <laughs> 10, minutes. 10 minutes. That will be the hashtag. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>